Now, it might feel like we have done this already, guys, because we've gathered for so many after parties together, you know, wearing our colorful sweatshirts and, and hanging out over video chat. But in fact, it is the first time that we are meeting to discuss Join the Loop 1 and 2. You what? get it because it's time travel, you know. I'm honestly a little concerned because you didn't say, hey, hi, hello. <laughs> oh, no, that's how I know I'm not in the loop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm destabilized. We've changed the loop so much that now Julia needs to say, hey, hi, hello. I refuse. We've changed everything. <laughs> Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party where we have only done this once, I promise, and <laughs> we are all extremely excited. Guys, we played this game like two months ago, like before the Chad dice were out. We have been sitting on this for so long, and finally we can talk about it. I had to cut some Chad dice references because occasionally we'd be like, oh, you can go buy them now at blah, 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 because by the time we got to that episode, they were <laughs> Already sold out. Already sold out, <laughs> Oh, man, if only we could get more Chad dice. Hmm, I hmm. wonder if there's anything we can do about that. Working on it, working on it, working on it. <laughs> so I do want to say right off the top that people had some very good questions, all of which would have to go in spoily corner, and many of which do get answered. So I am going to not ask questions like, who's in the loop? Why? How is he doing this? What is that guy in the trench coat doing? What do level up games have to do with it all? Because trust me, you're going to get answers. And then whatever answers you don't get at the end of the arc, I promise we'll talk about it. But first, I would love to know just... Eric, whence did this come? <laughs> what was your inspiration? <laughs> On what viewing of the movie Palm Springs did you first think of this? Um, and how did you think about approaching doing a time arc? Yeah, I think... Oh, man, there's just so much happening. All right, let me, let me see if I can refine this down. No one has really done a time thing since the 11th hour in Adventure Zone Balance. And I thought it was always something that was ripe for Dungeons & Dragoning. Uh, it was something I wanted to put in. This was also as we were working through the arc previously in Join the Channel, I realized how much of it was being like very like a plot driven. We're like, we are learning about Ant Min, we are learning about the weirdness and the effect of society on the powered folk in Lake Town City. Like, we're really driving the main plot of the story forward. But the thing that's so wonderful about comic books is that you can take a left into doing something else. So I really wanted to experiment kind of just with that storytelling, and I thought that this would be a very fun, like, little arc to take to the left. And the fact that this is happening, like, later in spring instead of in summer was definitely something I wanted to do there. And to throw you all a curveball, because uh, I just decided it would be, it would be fun. This campaign has really been me trying to like stretch my idea of what Dungeons and Dragons can look like as a DM that I'm presenting to you three, but also like what uh, what we can do on uh, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. And we will get to the Brandon sound designer corner where everyone was like, "Brandon, oh my god, such a good job, oh my god!" Don't so you have time to brace yourself for when we're going to talk about this. But thank you, I appreciate your consideration. Do, like, don't you have like a solid twenty minutes? I think before we get to Brandon sound design corner, it's a difficult time for me. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, knowing that I can run this and then it will be edited and sound designed in a way that we can enhance that, especially something that we've literally been doing at multiple since next stop I'm like I can do something wild here and we can really start assembling it like doing the things that feel like flourishes in Dungeons and Dragons games where maybe you uh, take a player off to the side and you have one-on-one -on -one scenes or you hold a secret from one person and then that gets revealed later like that's just 
that's the medium we have here. And I really wanted to stretch that in, in some ways. So that's just like what I wanted to do in terms of doing something different and interesting in the podcast. And then like we can have a whole conversation about time loops and how a game can make a time loop even more interesting. So it was Palm Springs, but also like that was when I was getting really, really into Hades and the reinvigoration of the roguelike game, which for those of you who don't play video games that much, it's kind of in runs. Like you have to restart at the beginning every time you die or in, when the run is over and I'm like oh that's a time loop just like in Hades and the justification in Hades which is like your Hades' son trying to escape the underworld that's such a wonderful justification for dying and repeating every single time and I'm like oh that is very similar to something we can do in a comic book setting which is the time loop but you insert a villain in a different way um, and we're messing that in a different way that I've seen from Palm Springs Groundhog Day Russian Doll as well pushing that genre into a different into a different way I've never watched the Supernatural one, so all of your references totally passed me. I'm sorry. Is there a Supernatural time loop one? Yes, there's a Supernatural episode with a time loop. There's something about a Tuesday and something about the heat of the moment. Oh, the That's all spot. I know. Yes. Destiel. I'm personally very glad <laughs> that we didn't have to die in order to reset the loop. That's my big thing. Because a lot of those, it's just like, yeah, you die and then the day resets. Like Russian Doll, that is the main focus of the Palm day. Palm Springs. Yeah. Wait, Palm you Springs didn't also. Die? Milo definitely died. <laughs> Is that <laughs> bad? Yes, terrible. <laughs> but you're part ghost anyway, so it's fine. That's true, that's true, that's true. I would love to know about each of your impressions, Brandon and Julia, too, about the time loop. Julia, in listening to the most recent episode during the loop, too, I was so struck by the fact that I was facing the projector being like, uh, and you were just like asking all excellent questions and making great inferences and being like, this is how it is without making me feel bad, because I definitely did feel bad re-listening to it. But what do you guys think? How, what kind of like time loop stuff have you watched before? What were your thoughts when we realized what was happening? This is one of my favorite genres. So I was very excited to hit that i think this is this is funny for me because if you listen to the episode where the time loop is revealed i yelled at eric and <laughs> called him a liar yes <laughs> because because i had suggested for our our previous live show that we do a groundhog's day themed episode because we did the live show like the day after groundhog's day and eric was like no that would be too hard i don't want to do it i was like okay that's fair you know like that is a complicated is hard, thing yeah. to keep track of especially for a one shot <laughs> and then this episode was revealed and i was like you motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> i had been planning this for like two months before we even did the one shot for the live show so i had to come down super hard on you i think what i said explicitly was we're not doing that unless you want me to die and kill myself trying to figure this out and i was like harsh but fair <laughs> <laughs> yeah as soon as i heard julia it was like she like locked and loaded like her her belt she, it was like she was it's the apocalypse and she's been prepping for three years for oh this. yeah <laughs> how about you brandon I, I know you're very into sci-fi so what what are your time loop thoughts yeah i love the i love the the trope i'm not really like i'm i'm pretty anti-tropey media consumer but the time loop is one that i i very much do dig but i don't think i've like considered it critically in the way that maybe America or Julia has. But um, yeah, I, I just watched Palm Springs a couple months ago now, and it's it was incredible. So I was excited to be Andy Samberg. You really are playing up the Andy Samberg angle for Milo, and I appreciate it. <laughs> I think Tuna is really the Andy Sandberg, and we're all, all the people around. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Let's talk about Palm Springs for a second, because Palm Springs is actually what planted this idea in my head alongside Hades, because... The thing that we that Julia just said is that you usually need to die to reset the time loop. 
whether we're talking about Russian Doll or whatever. I it's been so long since I've seen Groundhog Day. I don't even remember exactly why. Can you go to sleep? Can you go to sleep? You can either go to sleep or die. Those are the options for him, really. Right. Yeah. Classic. Right. So in Palm Springs, though, you can go to the cave and walk in, which is the other thing. This is not a spoiler for Palm Springs. You should all watch Palm Springs. But like the thing that starts, there's like a magic time bubble inside of this cave that gets uh, unearthed and uh, you can only go to it after like the cave is revealed and the ca- if you walk inside of the cave that's how it re- that's another way to reset I'm like that's so interesting that we know what is resetting the time loop that's so cool I wonder if there's a way to insert that and I'm like oh this is something that I don't think I've seen nearly anywhere else where the villain has control or the antagonist we we are not even necessarily sure about the man in black right now that the antagonist has control of the reset and that's i think what makes it interesting in a game perspective is that it becomes a cat and mouse relationship between you and the person holding the time loop mm-hmm. and that that's something that we've been really pushing on so like planning on this i'm like okay well here's what's happening during the day but depending on what you do to bother this person who has an N64 where you can just push the reset button that's what i can control it's an, it's really just an npc interaction but i need to keep track of the things that are happening at the same time so in terms of planning it was actually a lot simpler i'm just doing the thing that you would do in a D&D game or maybe if you were running a dungeon or you're running like a closed town sort of game where it's like, all right, you you have these six buildings. That's it. You can't leave. You have to do this. So in terms of planning that, I'm like, okay, this happens at this time. This happens at this time. I know what everyone is doing for like a few hours around. And then while they do stuff, that will change how it works. But also I'm changing, controlling the NPCs as I usually do, the actual resetting, which is the man in black carrying the modded N64. With Banjo-Kazooie in it? I can't tell you. I can't tell you what's in it, unfortunately. <laughs> the game is revealed at some point. I will say that. <laughs> was Banjo Kazooie an N64 game? It was, right? Yeah, you were right, Brandon. Okay. <laughs> it was Star Fox. Sorry, I have to spoil it. It was Star Fox in there. Right. I did make someone made a Star Fox reference at one point. Yeah. You, I, I mentioned it, and then you did an excellent. Um, What's the that's the bad guy's name? El Andros, I can't let you do that, Star Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Someone asked why an N64, and it was the first thing that popped in my head that had a very obvious reset button. That makes sense. This is something I've been thinking about recently, especially because I've been killing myself trying to get an Xbox Series X and playing my Switch and my my GameCube that I have. But new tech don't have a reset button. I think it's like the idea that like your stuff, whether our computers, our phones are always on. Like think about it for those of you who have a Nintendo Switch, you just put it to sleep. You never really turn it off. It frustrates the hell out of me. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. So having a reset button feels very inherent to the idea that you are turning something on and off and like there's one program running at the same time. So like I have a reset button on my GameCube and I was like, oh, what else has a reset button? And the N64, the the reset button, which is as big and bulky as the power button is what stood out to me. Speaking of references, Val also said dogs have no concept of time uh, early in this episode and everybody in the Discord was like, whoa. Is that a reference? (laughs) Is it a reference? I just kind of said it. No, it's just, it's referencing time and that is not something that we knew about at the time you said it. So just like precognition gotcha, being, gotcha particularly yes. yeah being a precog julia do you want to tell us anything i <laughs> i have nothing for you dogs don't have a concept of time that's why they get so excited if you leave and then come back 10 minutes later whoa are we the dogs man we're the dogs man whoa 
<laughs> Terrible. 420 was a few days ago. Oh, well, I've been I've been stoned for two days. So. <laughs> Just for weeks. Weeks, Brandon. <laughs> I would love to know what you all thought was happening during episode one. Like, I listened back to it as we usually do in podcasting i re-listened to that episode and i'm like it's so funny this feels like it's going absolutely nowhere or it's like the first chapter of a book where there's a lot of exposition a lot of setting stuff up and dr morrow's like can you just go do something for me that would be super helpful so i want to know what you all thought was happening here especially when i gave all of you your um well for val and, and aggie your emotional <laughs> conversations and then Tuna hiding everything that Milo owns. That was very emotional, Eric. <laughs> for Milo. I could tell because you, you burned a fifth level spell slot on it. <laughs> I know. Looking back, I was yelling at you. In the moment, I thought that there was going to be some sort of upset with the protesters and whatnot. Yeah. I yeah. thought this was going to be kind of the next through line for what was happening with the vloggers and with Councilman Burdock in that we were going to start seeing the kind of like anti-weirdness sentiment taking the next step or going to the next level. That's kind of sure. where I was at towards the end of the episode. When we got to the art gallery, I think it was more of a oh, there's going to be a weird science thing that Dr. Morrow forgot about, which is why I instinctively was like, I need to text her and ask her. I want to say your, you texting Dr. Morrow was very great. Like keeping all of you, not in the dark necessarily, but that I knew things and you didn't knew things, you still made all made choices that were really, really interesting, um, which I really appreciated. I was similarly like, oh, okay, well, this is this is something that Dr. Morrow doesn't think is going to be an encounter. Maybe uncharacteristically, Eric's going to drop us into initiative as soon as we like get to this <laughs> gallery. But I, too, was thinking about like Dr. Morrow's responsibility or legacy as sort of like making so much future bending tech, li literally, in one place over the course of decades and just being so prolific. Like, of course, there's going to be you know, stuff that she kind of discarded or didn't think twice about that later somebody else might find in co-op. So I thought we were really going in a kind of like people's river, you know, interrogating that technology sure. um, direction. I was just kind of holding my breath the entire time waiting for the shoe to drop. Because um, <laughs> like, uh, on the one hand, like I, I'm a sucker for like very specific detail storytelling you know like i love that kind of stuff so like i really was enjoying it but i knew that it was too average for the reality sure i had no idea guys i had no idea i was just like living man i was like yeah, yeah let's let's role play how to get into this gallery i love it like that's that's i don't know i had i had no inkling <laughs> i mean I, I didn't suspect a time loop but i did yeah i did expect like something to you know happen with the protesters or with the uh gallery like the cannon to go off or a fight to break out or a helicopter to arrive on the scene. And I don't know, you know, something I was expecting something wild because everything was so small scale at the top that I expected Eric to go huge at the end, mm. which you did. <laughs> I, no, I, I just want to say, I, like I said, you all made really interesting choices and I really appreciate all of you doing that. And I think that that's, that was very helpful. And I think that's very exemplary of all of your play styles 
is that like Amanda just fucking rolls with it. Brandon is waiting for me to fuck him over, and <laughs> Julia is running towards some some deeper themes in terms of the story. And I think I I was definitely trying to do all of this. I think that this is the backdrop. Definitely doing this on May first is uh, a big deal to me. I mean, uh, my birthday is on May 2nd. so I Also, hey, guys, I've been dating Aaron for four years. Didn't put those two things together. Whoa, <laughs> is it really been four years? Oh, yeah. my God. Damn. We found a birthday present that Amanda gave me, a My Brother, My Brother and Me covered notebook. <laughs> In 2017. <laughs> 2017. Like, oh, like, we're so is, young. This is so wild. I can't believe this. Um, so I've always known about May 1st, and recently, obviously, with everything going on with uh, workers' rights and the protests that's been happening uh, over time, but being uh, more definitely more involved over the last year or so. It's something that I definitely wanted to play with. And Julia, what you're saying about that overt weirdness and like, I don't want to coin a new uh, slur about what we're doing here, <laughs> but I definitely think that all the sentiment that we've been feeling in the world right now also applies to the powered folk and, and the rise of this as well. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, people who are against uh, powers and strangeness are definitely anti-union also. Like, I think yeah, that's exactly. a very <laughs> clear tie. And I felt acutely nervous about that situation, just again, because of the context of the last you know year and a half of living. And that's why it was so important for, for Aggie. I'm like, listen, I am a peacekeeper. This is exactly what I'm here for. I can, you know, go out there and try to quell these counter protesters that are clearly trying to turn this demonstration into an opportunity for violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm I'm interested. I'm glad that some of those things happen there. And we're going to flesh that out, obviously, because, you know, we were only there for a few hours and there'll be more and more loops. But um, all those things that you all said were true, even if you said three separate things. So I'm very happy that all of you picked that up, especially when we get to episode two and then we start fucking around. And I want to talk about a little Amanda. Let's talk about our conversation about who was in the loop initially in loop two. Yes. So as soon as we stop recording loop one, we turn we we stopped our our microphone recordings, and then all of us were just like, "What the fuck, Erica?" Being very excited, and then I was like, "I know, winky face." <laughs> <laughs> Eric, when he's satisfied with himself as a DM, is is quite kind of tuna esque in in behavior, <laughs> um, which I really enjoy. It grows a tail. It's weird. <laughs> mm, I know. Don't you love me? <laughs> but as soon as we hung up the call. He turned to me and said, you realize Aggie's not in the loop, right? And I was like, holy shit. I was like, why? And then I put it together and I was like, oh, that's right. Because Val and Milo were directly next to the device when the man in black reset it. And I was far away doing something else. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't communicate that to Brandon and Julia. And so when we started the next morning when we started you know join the loop too i was i felt like i did a bad job role playing that because i was so excited no, and i was no, just you grinning didn't. i was, was like so you know confused. i just I, it was like a surprise <laughs> no, you party crushed it oh well thank you but i felt like i was at a surprise party and i was staring at the person it was for being like uh what do you think we're gonna do tonight huh do, are we just gonna sit here uh and watch a movie maybe but it was it was very exciting. I, was, I thought you were just like riffing. Like I thought you were just sort of like taking it upon yourself to add some flavor to the thing. No, you did a great job with it. 
seriously. Thank you. But it, it was it was very exciting. And it, it was hard at first to get my brain in order to be like, oh, that's right. The thing that Aggie thought she was doing on May 1st was going to the gallery because it, it just like it didn't occur to me at first. So that might be actually a good segue to say, like, I know that right after session one, I took detailed notes on like all of the things that we did, the conversation I had, the timeline, all of that. But Eric, you've explained a little bit about things like the the fast forwarding, where if we yes. want to, we can just do the same thing we did last time. Clearly, we can do it. and We should do it again. But how did you go about sort of setting out all of the mechanics for how to allow us to do things and repeat things and change things in this loop? That's a great question. I can't say too much because it might reveal how I put this together and we've all played some episodes ahead. What I will say is that I know what a lot of the NPCs are doing. Just like in any Dungeons & Dragons game. The only thing is I need to put you three back in the same place and I need to remember what I did last time and write that down to make sure that you all get to interact with the same things. Like instead of the, the ordinarily I'd be riffing or I we'd go move on to another thing and like a joke disappears into the ether and I forget what it is. Now I need to remember. So a great example of this is the guy at the front in the gallery, the dude with the top button, right? I had to remember that the dude with the top button was there. That the last thing that happened was that you were trying to get in by looking at the VIP. You worked it like that. And then the charm person was the thing that that made it stick. And then the details were that the wristbands were behind the desk. You could choose to do that again, but then you chose to do something different. So I had to play the same NPC as if I did it in the beginning, but you're doing a different role to negotiate that. However, we've established already that he's kind of like a creepy dude (laughs) or like at least like a like an artsy person, a crunchy person and just like kind of a little sketchy. So in my head, I'm like, well, he's probably fascinated with all of you and he probably knows who Kilanova is. So he's going to ask a weird question. (laughs) He's going to ask a weird question. Then now he knows that uh, my has uh, ghost private parts. He wants a tabloid scoop, you know? I get it. I get it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. My, my read on him was that he sort of mistakes being shocking for being substantive. Mm. And I've definitely run into a lot of that over the years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dang. And then, of course, like, whether or not we end up doing that again is like, oh, do you want to take the scene again or does this stick? So whether we, we fast forward that or you go back to that, I can be like, hey, do we want that to stick? Is Carmen very upset <laughs> right now? That's and... Eric, that's the same outside of the time loop, too. Carmen's always <laughs> upset. Carmen's always upset with something that happened on Twitter. She was so happy that Milo was interacting and then that's what we get. And then it's just like, I just need to remember what I did before, which I only do like some of the time because, you know, it's part plot, part, part comedy is how we how we play the Dungeons and the Dragons. Yeah. And Julia, you kind of helped uncover a lot of the mechanics here in talking about why Val would oversleep because you are repeating the previous loop, not the first loop. Mm-hmm. So did that kind of change the way you were approaching your gameplay for for loop two or loop three? Yeah, I think so. Because like in an ideal world, Val would have been awake and ready to go and not being yelled at on the phone, (laughs) ideally. But that's not how we played. And I thought it was the right character choice to have Val sleep through that alarm because they genuinely would have thought it was the next day. So for sure, I had to be true to the character. And if that screwed me over a little bit, you know, that's just the, the consequence of that. 
Yeah. No, I think that was totally fair. I have like absolutely Val thought it was Saturday, didn't set their alarm. Absolutely. But the weird temporal nature of this thing that it's not like a everyone's time loop, it is the the man in black's time loop that he yeah. is resetting every single time. And that's why that locked in because your intention of sleeping in until 9. That that's the other thing that I was really happy about, which is something that is a little complicated is that I didn't tie it to like you wake up and it's a new day necessarily. It's like we are setting this at 9 a.m. Like Aggie's already awake when the yeah. time loop starts because Aggie's right. yeah. an early riser. I am. Yeah. And I, I just I like that a lot. They're like knowing that he set the time on his N64 and we were resetting at nine, regardless of what you are all doing. It's not like it's not a general time loop. It's like, but now you are stuck in the time loop with the dude. Or is he stuck in there with us? But it's both. <laughs> Definitely both. You're stuck in there with each other. Yeah, that was the other thing that I was really interested in about is like, how can I make this a little bit different? It's controlled by someone else. So the rules are on someone else's terms and you all need to kind of deal with that, uh, which I found really interesting, especially at the end of loop three, at the end of episode two, where he showed up and he's like, fucking stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it probably got cut because it was table talk, but like the end of that episode, one of my chief concerns was, is Milo going to be in the loop or not? Because mm -hmm. he was not close by to the reset. No, I, I kept that in. Oh, did you? Okay. And I did because it was interesting, but two, because still as me, Brandon, during that time and also now, I don't think I fully understood what you were trying to get at. I don't think I put it together that it was like, an AOE effect. Yeah. I, I think I figured that out pretty quick because Aggie was not near the thing and therefore she didn't get pulled into the time loop with us. And I was concerned that if you were not near the reset, you would not have been included in the time loop. Mm -hmm. And then you would have been stuck doing something else totally and i had assumed that amanda was just playing in the space and not <laughs> directed by eric so i didn't know that that was you know actual in canon canon kind of thing you know mm -hmm. i'm assuming that once you're in the loop you're in the loop and it was just a matter of proximity to get into the loop in the first place i don't know if we directly address that next episode but that's that's the the theory. Yeah. I mean, that's the theory. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I see, it's very funny with stuff like this, and this is another thing for DMs to just think about, is like the stuff you don't say is just as important as the stuff you do say. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. It's like jazz. It's just like jazz. It's just like jazz, man. Just like jazz. It's just like jazz. Um, or chess. It's the moves you don't make. <laughs> It's exactly like chess, the moves that are made. So I'll, I can understand why all of you are flooding the spoily corner with questions, but like I can't tell you. I just can't tell you. And uh, we're going to reveal this uh, as this stuff goes on. What I can say about the projector is that the reason why you only figure that out in loop three is because Aggie wasn't in the time loop yet. It's true. And because Aggie interacted with the projector outside of the time loop, didn't work for her. Once Aggie was in the time loop, then it worked. Fascinating. I, I did not put these things together guys i'm bad at this game <laughs> well it's there's a lot of implication and we have to do storytelling which is not just kind of explaining every everything as we get to it so i think it's a thing that we have to balance for sure but brandon it might now be a, a good time to turn to what you're very very good at which is sound design um and i just have a note here uh everyone thought it was tight shit so please please discuss i thought it was hilarious that everyone Everyone loved it so much because I had uh, exported a version to send to the team to listen through you know, a few days before the published date. For whatever reason, no one had quite had the time to listen to it. 
and so on Monday, like I put in the mid roll and the recap, which is normal. Um, and as I was doing it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember we made a joke at the end of this episode or at the beginning when we were just like uh, messing around and warming up. Uh, I was like, Eric, if you could do this whole episode backwards, that would be great. <laughs> and then throughout it, you were like, oh, shit, now I want that. Yeah, that's <laughs> so right. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like, <laughs> maybe I'll just throw in a um, backward effect here and there. And then I spent all of four minutes on this. <laughs> and apparently it defined the episode. <laughs> it was incredibly tight. I, I heard it and I was like, oh, wait, I my brain wants it to go the other way, but this is really good, too. It's very good. It, it's very funny because I did listen to the the draft. I just didn't have any notes, so I didn't say anything. But oh, wonderful! Okay. <laughs> but when that was not sarcastic. That was I was actually saying wonderful. <laughs> but when the episode dropped, everyone was freaking out about the beginning and the ending. I was like, "What? The it was just like a normal beginning and ending for the episode. I don't remember anything like super weird happening." And then I listened to. It. I'm like, "Oh, Brandon, that fucking slaps. Oh, fuck it, dude. Oh, fuck it." <laughs> What I love about Pro Tools is also what I feel about like Photoshop is that there are so many secret little tools buried in there that you don't know do stuff. So the fact that like you just probably threw something on that you knew existed, knowing things in Pro Tools is like half the battle. And like, oh, yeah, that's incredible that you knew it's like, oh, that would be cool that that would be in there. And then you put it on there. Yeah, it's like um, I'm doing I've been listening to and watching a lot of tutorials on stuff during quarantine because I'm a nerd <laughs> and like yeah it's definitely like a it's 1000,000% a craft like it's knowing your Phillips from your uh, flathead from your whatever you know like it's very much that and spending a lot of money on plugins but that one if anyone was curious and has Pro Tools was from Freak Show Industries I believe and it's called Backmask cool um, and I Tight. believe it's free technically but um you can pay what you want so pay pay some money for it nice throw them a couple of dollars uh, amanda did brandon say that thing about screwdrivers right yeah i, I have no notes <laughs> those are the two allen wrench that's what, that's one. what i was gonna say was <laughs> speaking of tools though one of my cabinets in the kitchen is a little bit askew and i won't feel right until i tighten the hinge so i'm gonna be right back <laughs> do that okay? okay sounds good all right see you in a minute Hey, it's Amanda. I had the wonderful experience the other day of, for the first time in a very long time, sitting at a table with a beer in a glass, watching people walk by on the sidewalk. And that is not to be a bummer, you know, but that's not an experience I think I'm ever going to take for granted again. So welcome to the mid-roll. We have your favorite beer on tap. First and foremost, I would love to thank the beautiful people who joined our Patreon last week. Christina, Lux, and Lucy, welcome! We are so grateful to every single one of you who make room in your budget every month to support creators, whether that's us or somebody else. But particularly for those of you who support us on Patreon, we are so grateful. We could not keep making the show without your support and putting hours into the sound design, the preparation, the after parties, making sure we have all of our ducks in a row, making cool merch. It is such a gift to be able Able to do that as our jobs. And we we totally owe that to you guys. So we so appreciate it. And if you're able to 
pledge $5 a month or more. We would love to see you at patreon.com slash join the party pod. If you need some incentives, we tell you first about merch. We have NPC stories and playlists that go out with each episode. And of course, our Discord, which is amazing. Photos of dogs and foods and uh, RPG support, people finding each other to play games or to ask advice. It's it's just the best place on the internet. So all of that at patreon.com slash join the party pod. And if you did not hear, we are doing a digital live show next month. Cannot wait that this time loop ever lets us advance to May 2nd. We will be there on May 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern with a new one-shot set in Lake Town City featuring Volcani, Preserver, and Killanova. And I know you're caught up since you're listening to the after party, but if your friends are not caught up, that's totally okay. It is not like set in the plot at any particular time, not going to be spoily, and it is going to be so much fun. We, in fact, had an incredible amount of fun doing this in February for our first live show, so we're doing it again. And just like last time, your ticket includes a video on-demand copy of the show that you can watch afterward because, you know, you're in other countries. Maybe you can't go to a live show at very early in the morning or very late in the evening, depending on where you are. So we let you watch it anytime you want. Plus, we are announcing some new merch again that I promise you're going to be very excited about. Who can say? Buy your ticket right now at jointhepartypod.com slash live. That's May 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern or anytime with the video on demand at jointhepartypod.com slash live. We are excited to welcome back Inked Gaming as a sponsor of the show. If you're looking to start or upgrade your gaming gear, you're going to need to check them out. Their extensive collection of gaming goods are made by gamers for gamers. That includes stuff like play mats, dice, dice bags, mats, and much more. They even have some customizable products so you can make stuff to match your house or the look of your specific campaign. And as part of their sponsorship of this episode, Team Inked has given us a special 10% off discount code that we are passing along just to join the party listeners. Go to inkedgaming.com slash join the party, pick out some items, and when you're ready to check out, use the code join the party to get 10% off your order. We are also welcoming a new sponsor to the show. Welcome Modern Arcana. This is an extremely beautiful fusion of modern graphic design with the full list of D&D spells. The designer behind the project started as an Instagram daily design challenge, and people loved it and were asking for merch so much that it is now an entire company. They sell shirts, mugs, and posters in the style of like Swiss graphic design. When you see it, you'll definitely recognize it, but featuring all kinds of different D&D spells. They're on I think the third level spellbook, but they're going all the way through to number seven. They're also making a full redesigned deck of spell cards, which will be available for purchase later this year. So listen, you're going to want to get on the bandwagon. It is beautiful. And you should go to modernarcana.shop where the code join the party will get you 20% off. That code only works for a few weeks, a limited time. So make sure you do it today. Modernarcana.shop and the code is join the party for 20% off. And finally, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, a secure online counseling service for you and your bones. They connect you with licensed counselors through their secure app, letting you message with your therapist and schedule live phone or video sessions. You can also message your counselor in between those sessions if you're worrying about something. There's like a worksheet function. I love homework. I ask my therapist for homework all the time. And so she sends me worksheets that I get to fill out right in the app and share with her so we can review it on our next session. And because they want to make sure you find the best therapeutic match possible, it is easy and free to switch counselors if you need to. 
They're also more affordable than traditional counseling with financial aid also available. So listen, check out BetterHelp at betterhelp.com slash join the party for 10% off your first month of counseling. Join me. The water is fine. I promise. Betterhelp.com slash join the party for 10% off your first month. And now let's get back to the show. Well, I have brought back some leftover birthday cake from the kitchen. (gasps) And that reminds me, we haven't talked at all about Brandon's use of a repeated day where Val had a a variation on a conversation. So did I. Um, I went to see Des. Brandon, why did you choose to go to the OTA and how do you feel about what you discovered there? I'm still parsing how I feel about it. Um, Eric and I chatted and I had sort of made a list of things that I that Milo would want to do as a as a person. But because he's Milo, he didn't want to have the actual future consequences of doing those things. Yes, that's right. (laughs) And one of those things was was spy on his dad, figure out what he's doing um, and if he's telling the truth, because I think he trusts his dad, obviously. But like as much as any kid is like, you're the tall authority figure in my life. So I trust and believe you. But like, I'm definitely going to sneak behind your back and see what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. And also with the Dr. Morrow, same same thing with Dr. Morrow. You know, like I think he believes Dr. Morrow and trusts her, but uh, definitely wants like confirmation from a third party source on what's actually happening there. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was really interesting. The fir- the first thing that I said uh, once I- you all recovered from the fact that this was a time loop, I'm like, think about some stuff that you want to do. Like, let's mess with the genre of the time loop and see if you can learn some stuff. And Julia decided to have an adorable moment with Hitomi. And, uh, <laughs> I need to fix what was wrong. <laughs> uh, and Amanda was reliving over and over and over again a very stressful conversation with parents. <laughs> yep. Which I got Amanda's consent to do, yeah, 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 by yeah, the way. Yeah. No, it was, it was great. episode, too. <laughs> okay. It's great. Right. So the OTA. So the thing you said was that, like, you were worried that the OTA was uh, the Office of Technology Assessment where Hank Lane works is like perpetrating like the banal evil that the American government does all the time. And I'm like, that's very fair. And I very much appreciate that. And also, it didn't really help that all of you kept rolling that 20s and rubbing my face in it. Oh, that's true. That doesn't stop. That continues on for the next like 12 episodes. <laughs> the, the Chad dice are spicy, man. The Chad love dice love drama. Only 20s and ones. Only 20s and ones from the Chad dice. I start rolling with my Chad dice more often. It, it is worth saying, by the way, that after we recorded Join the Loop 2, Eric did test the dice to make sure they weren't weighted. They're not. They're just spicy. No, they're just good. They just like drama. Although he didn't do it in salt water, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I did. I tested did, it. Yeah. I tested it again in salt water. It, oh, you did? I did test it, oh, okay. yes. I fully tested it. But then at one point, I was like, you know... Maybe I should just trust that, like, you all roll nat 20s, and then you kept rolling nat 20s, and I'm like, no, I'm testing this fully, and then I, I waited. <laughs> no, the Chad dice, the Chad dice are just uh, are just super spicy. I didn't think that any of you were lying about your rolls. I thought the Chad was lying about your rolls. Yeah. Chad likes to put his stamp on things, you know? Loves drama. Right. So, in the OTA. Okay. So... With an ad 20, I'm like, I, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to tell you. I think there was a lot of stuff on the back burner, and there's a lot of stuff that we've done together 
as players, especially, like I said, in the first four episodes, the pre-episodes of world building that I've metered out in little bits in canon in the what were in the actual story. But I don't know if we've actually touched on like anyone actually knowing it. I remember when I was we were doing episode one and I got David Reinstrom to come in to be Sage Lanceleaf. And he did that sanitized version of the thing that we figured out. And I think that's what I was implying is that people know some stuff about like the general history of what Lake Town City is and the valorizing of Dr. Morrow, but I didn't know how much anyone knew. So now Milo knows everything that we did in the world building games. Potentially the worst player to have that honor. I'm going to have to go back and listen to them. Um, yeah, so here's some, some things in there is that while everyone was watching Back to the Future, Dr. Morrow in her cabin was messing around with this. There was a giant explosion. Diaphragm was discovered. And then, like, everyone got infected by the Delta radiation that Diaphragm pumped out. And, like, that's what happened. And then the government came in and put everyone on lockdown for a year to study everyone. And then they decided, oh, I guess it's fine. And then they're like, I guess you guys should become, like, a real town because you're growing rapidly. And there's, like, economic contracts around that uh, people want to get their hands on the energy on Diaphragm. And then what happened was there was a vote for mayor and whatever happened and whoever else was running. But they decided, well, Dr. Morrow was the one who discovered it. She's a local celebrity. And we've already talked to her and spent a lot of time with her over the time of this quarantine. Basically, Agent Hank Lane getting assigned to Project Delta, being a part of this. And that's where Dr. Morrow and, and Hank Lane met in the first place. They're like, hey, we know her. We, she's in the system. Let's keep her. Let's keep her there. And she's like. Okay, I guess I'm mayor too. And I think this is also how we see her laissez-faire executive town governing privileges is that she's just kind of <laughs> like, well, the government's running, I'm mayor, whatever, I'm going to do whatever it is and have a secret superhero task force instead. Um, and I think that's where it comes from is that like we don't know necessarily if she wanted it. We don't know necessarily who voted for who, if there was someone who actually wanted to do this job. But um, the OTA and the American government came in and and took care of that. Is the OTA a federal agency? Yeah, it's a federal agency. It's like a, it's an offshoot. Again, the OTA is real. That was a real thing. It got discontinued in the 90s. Newt Gingrich struck it down when he was Speaker of the House during the Clinton administration. Damn it, Newt. It, the OTA was originally made to explain technology and like the internet to congressmen and senators to make sure people were like properly taught things that were going to happen in the future in the digital age. And of course, then it got struck down, which is why none of our senators know how to use a computer, in including the Democrats. No one actually knows how to use a computer. It's all paper. Nope. It is a federal agency that was tied to it. And then like the New York state government was stoked on it and was happy that all this stuff was happening, which also has to do with like Lake Town City becoming the capital of New York and the kind of like, well, thanks for participating. Good things are happening to you. And then going from a town to a city and growing so rapidly. That was another thing that I, I don't think that we touched on. And something that Sage Lansleaf touched on very quickly was like, Dr. Morrow made the companies bring jobs to Lake Town City <laughs> so that they could have the diaphragm. And like, that's kind of true, kind of not. But it's definitely part of like the whole, you know, just the, the business of like, we don't explore necessarily the histories of our cities until it just, like, happens. And that's kind of the stuff that happened. The OTA and the American government and New York state government had a hand in keeping Lake Town City growing. And also there were other social factors of, like, people leaving New York City to move to Lake Town City once the uh, the bullet train and uh, not wanting to be in New York City post 9-11. That was another thing. I was like, I remember how 
desolate people were feeling in all of New York State between like 2001, 2002, 2003. And if like if there was another option, people would go. And I'm sure that that was that was an opportunity. And that's why Lake Town City is partially the way that it is. Mm. Um, And now Milo knows all of that. (laughs) Whether or not Milo will share, we'll see. (laughs) I think the only like sort of like lingering thought for Milo is whether or not Dr. Morrow is sort of like, for lack of a better word, compromised. Yeah. I don't think Milo is sure. And I'm not sure if if the government came in and started trying to like push on Dr. Morrow to do something with the sort of threat of like, well, do you still want to be mayor? I'm not sure if Dr. Morrow would say yes or no, because I think that's an equal chance. Sure, sure. <laughs> if they care about being mayor. Yeah. I, I I think it's very it's very obvious from your conversation with her that she's just like, I'm sciencing right now. I when people right. tell me to do stuff, oh whatever, I believe them. It's fine. And like not in like a she's not being willfully ignorant. She's just like, this is not my department. Can someone else, other's department take care of this? Yeah. And I think that that was uh, so another thing that we learned from Des is that like Dr. Morrow gets hyper fixated on things and doesn't care about other things. So what you said about her being compromised, maybe, maybe she doesn't even know she's compromised because it's not a conscious decision in that way. Right. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I just wanted, I wanted to touch on that because it was a big thing and I was very excited about it being able to dump all my notes on Brandon. <laughs> and he's like, I rolled a 20 and then I threw a notebook through a computer and it hit Brandon in the face. And then you threw a tuna through the air into a cake. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What a moment for Teresa. That was awesome. Yeah. In lieu of spoily corner, since this, we're going to get there in the arc, I promise. Uh, we have Juju Corner, who is a, a wonderful person that wrote us an email full of thoughtful and lovely questions. So let's start with some character-related questions. Importantly, Julia, Juju would like to know how many pairs of Doc Martens Val has. Oh, I think it's just the one pair, and they're super beat up, and they probably (laughs) have to replace them every five years or so, Mm -hmm. just because they just get absolutely smashed. But I think it's just the one pair continuously. I respect that. Very utilitarian. Yes. (laughs) When Valve vibrates, is it like friction? Like, does it heat up your clothes and or shoes? Is it like the flash where you burn holes in shoes, you know? That's a good question. I don't think that Val vibrates fast enough for that to be an actual problem. Okay, okay. I picture it like cannonball, not like the flash. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's enough for it to be hot, but not enough to go fast. Yes. <laughs> In the comic book logic of that. Yes. <laughs> what term does Hitomi use for Val? Maybe significant other, partner, uh, date mate, envy friend, etc. Or uh, some people just use girlfriend, boyfriend, Juju uh, observes. I read that. I loved uh, date mate. That was so (laughs) so good. In my head, I picture partner, but Eric's Hitomi's actual brain. So I like that she's your bird girlfriend, and you're like the and you're like yeah, my dense partner, (laughs) my neutron star. (laughs) Aw, adorable. And we know the Mountain Lobsters hockey team is culturally important, but how invested are the characters and NPCs in the team? Do you like mm. know all the trivia or is it kind of like casually, you know, yay, Mountain Lobsters? Yeah. Just in terms of a world building, which is why I said all the way back in pre-episode one, I chose NHL because being a one sport city is very important. Like shout out Portland, the Blazers, they ride fucking hard for the Blazers. And hockey is very much like a cult classic 
sport as well because again it's it's very regional you have to be in a place where it's cold and and hitting people indiscriminately i mean that in a very good way is is an activity that you love to do so i feel like lots of people ride very hard for them and it's a lot of local celebrity stuff like if you saw not even fritz brystone star if you saw anyone on the mountain lobsters you'd be like oh shit it's danny danny what's up you want to come and get free stuff like they're they're definitely local celebrities so maybe not into the obsession but they are in everyone knows who they are and they're ingrained in the uh fabric of the city uh very much yeah I'm going to borrow an idea from a uh, a romance novel I just read. I just read like a series of romance novels that are about NHL players, which was extremely satisfying. Um, <laughs> and in one of them, a an out player has a drink named after him in a local gay bar. And so I think that Aggie has a couple like low key, like pub style, like lesbian bars that she likes to go to. And I imagine that one of them names like all of their mixed drinks after queer players, because in, in my reality that we're building together, lots of out players in the NHL. Sure. Um, sure. So I think... I think she particularly knows those players, but I imagine, yeah, like on the Weather Channel and local commercials, you know, like at, at parades, I'm sure you just kind of know the faces. A lot of car dealerships using them as, as spokespeople. <laughs> yeah. Local commercials is perfect. I'm thinking about all the way back to a horse episode that I did where Mike told me about all of the San Antonio Spurs players, the basketball team, doing local commercials for HEB, the local grocery store. And like, there's like mm-hmm. continuity in these. Like they have personae. So, <laughs> oh, very much. very Definitely very much so. I love that. I also feel like the Mountain Lobster team, I, they, they're like a blazeball team to me. Mm. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> whatever you want to exist on the Mountain Lobsters definitely exists. Like, the only canonical person on the Mountain Lobsters is Fritz. Yeah. So, like, whoever you want on the Mountain Lobsters exists. Does the goalie even have a body part? Is it just, they're just floating pads? Maybe. So, whatever you want on the Mountain Lobsters, it's, it's, they're pretty much just a, a blazeball team. And Juju would like to know if any of us are hockey fans. I'm a casual fan of the, uh, the Nashville Predators. I think they're very fun, and I have a hat that's a smash. <laughs> Let's go Islanders. Yeah, went to a lot of Islanders games growing up. I am not a hockey person. Uh, I, not that I don't like it. I just don't know anything about it. But Milo is definitely the kind of guy and the group that, like, they all have a jersey for sure. And, like, you know, every season they go to a couple games and they, like, go hard and drink hard and eat lots of nachos and then, like, don't talk about it at all the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hockey is so much fun in person. Yeah, it, it really is. so much fun in person. And this is someone who goes to many basketball games. Hockey, number one, basketball, number two. So... I like the idea of hockey games. My dad grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is like a small city in between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And there is a minor league affiliate, the Erie Sea Dogs. That's a great name. Great fucking. The names of minor leagues all over. Baseball, hockey, basketball, all of them have incredible The Long names. Island Ducks. Like, it's just a team called the Ducks. It's great. <laughs> I've been to a few of those games. And, like, I, this is when I was a kid. But, like, you could just, like, run down to the boards and just, like, watch. And, like, seeing someone get decked into the boards in front of you is just, like, so, is a wonderful feeling. Mm-hmm. Everyone should go to a hockey game. It's, it's primal. You, and, like, there aren't that many rules in hockey or, like, it's a little fiddly. But you can pretty much follow it. And, like, puck in goal and then everyone cheers. Like, that's really, it's really what it is. I love that the goals are so hard won. You know, and like if there's only a handful of them per game, each of them is very exciting. I also love how it's structured. It's three periods. And so you got two intermissions. Everybody knows about it. And like you can go to the bathroom in one and get food in the other or whatever. Like it's it's perfectly structured. Yeah. It's great. That is a good structure. Hockey is great. This is actually why I don't like hockey or baseball that much because I much prefer basketball where it's high scoring 
and mm. uh, moves fast. Fair enough. I agree with that. I think it has the speed of... Like, it's not soccer in that it's, like, the beautiful game because they're on goddamn blades on ice. So like, And there's lots of hitting. So it kind of makes up for the fact that it's a low, it's a relatively low-scoring game. And they have shootouts, which I wish basketball had. Mm-hmm. Those are very that fun. That's true. And in between each period, they do uh, figure-setting competitions, which is always fun to watch. Yeah, at, at Islanders games, it's usually, like, little small children come out and shoot into the the thing and if they Incredible. score everyone gets like nachos or something i don't know <laughs> i would watch like a tv channel or a live stream of the interstitial entertainment at like various minor league sporting events all over the the country or the world that'd be so fun like imagine all people's strange traditions in their stadiums that'd be awesome mm-hmm. in nashville when they score tim mcgraw comes on the Jumbotron and sings his song. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. And then everyone in the stadium sings at the same time. It's wild. <laughs> Synchronized country singing. It's great. Islander scores. Uh, everyone does the Daniel Bryan wrestling yes chant. Yes, yes, yes. With the fingers in the air. It's, it's a lot of fun. And if anyone needed to know the regionalist difference between Nashville and Long Island, fucking got you. <laughs> there you got is. it, right there. <laughs> Daniel Bryan, my not even is... from Long Island. From <laughs> fucking Seattle. <laughs> my mom's both. My my mom is both of those things shoved into the same person. <laughs> I will say, because Amanda brought up the Long Island Ducks, that I once went to a Long Island Ducks game with about 30 wrestlers. Yeah. And we were the loudest group in the stadium because it was pretty empty and then they liked us so much that they invited us back and gave us free tickets to another game (laughs) i love that we have a podcasting question you guys meet via video calls now and i would love to know have you ever had problems with internet lagging messing up audio someone not being able to hear or see etc how do you deal with that it's something that i think this is me editorializing now um, a lot of people are dealing with in their their work or school lives and um, what has our experience been yeah, I think uh, ironically uh, throughout this recording, there's been a couple of times where um, I had either accidentally talked over Amanda or something or so I didn't hear what Amanda said. I have the softest voice. And so it's it's like when Google Hangouts is trying to process inputs between four different people, right. mine is the one that they mute usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I have to either like stop and, and ask what Amanda said or uh, just laugh along and, and wait for it in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> We do Brandon that finds out <laughs> Brandon gets Easter eggs later. Exactly. Yeah. That's what yeah. I leave them for. I think for the most part, we do have a pretty seamless process. The last episode that we recorded, though, my internet just stopped working for like five minutes as mm. as we were finishing <laughs> the episode and Eric was in the middle of like a really cool, like beautiful, like uh, description. <laughs> he he and was. I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> I actually feel like I don't feel as bad about that stuff because one, our editorial process has been the same. Like Brandon is going to edit this regardless and put that shit together. And I mean, I've been feeling that way. And I know all the uh, Julia as well as Julia has been editing podcast stuff over the last two years they're like you need to do that stuff anyway and honestly having individual tracks with people not in the same room makes it super easy to make all that stuff work so great example when you dipped out on the internet i'm like oh well i the thing i said was already on the microphone so that's saved and then i can tell julia what i was saying which and that's going to get cut out so at least i don't necessarily feel precious that what we say on the video doesn't have anything to do with what i'm saying into this microphone And that makes me feel secure. The other thing that 
this is just like so serendipitous, and I think about this every once in a while, is that like Brandon, you were moving to Los Angeles like a month before COVID hit. And mm-hmm. I don't want to say those two things are related, but. <laughs> <laughs> but we did have to adapt to all remote recording, which we hadn't done before. Exactly. And so it was fortunate that all of campaign two, that's been our, our setting. So it wasn't like extremely jarring to change that. Um, but yeah, like you said, like each of us records our microphone of just our voice in our own room. And so it, it makes it easier to edit. And I think as we've all been podcasting now for several years, that's something that I have noticed a lot in myself, that you just get better at talking with other people to make it easy to edit, <laughs> where yes. you either don't talk over them, you understand the timing a little more, you let it breathe a little bit, you know how to retake your sentences so that it's fairly easy to cut. And it's a thing that is not really, I don't think, learnable except through experience. Like a, if I had to describe to somebody else how to do it, it'd be very hard to do. But it's something that, you know, five years of talking professionally later, you know, here we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like me and Julia and Eric are all sitting here nodding along to Amanda as she's speaking, but not saying yes, yes, yeah, 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 yes, out loud. Yeah, I felt self-conscious about my reactions to what was happening in these last two episodes because Eric and I are in the same room versus Julia and Brandon are alone in, in their own homes. And so... I often like if I can't help myself, I will just say something. But if Eric is talking, then it has to stay in because we're in the same room. Um, I'm sure, Brandon, you 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 know work your magic with it. But I have to try very hard to not to not speak and react with my mouth as as you're saying. But stuff. I want that. Like, I know. That's I know. what it's makes hard. it different as like a Dungeons and Dragons show as opposed to the other stuff that we want. Because I want you to say shit that will overlap in the fact that you would be playing at the same time. Like I. I, so I want you to do that. I very much want to surprise all of you. This is the other thing that I'm dealing with, like by doing it remote or doing it for a podcast where I'm just like, oh, man, I'm going to have this sick fight. It's going to be so good. And then you guys are silent because you're thinking about what's happening next. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I really want you guys to be like, oh, shit. Like, what do we do? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, there's music later. It feels tense. You know, you, you, you get to hear the tension that we feel or the excitement that we feel. No, but, I, yeah. it's true. Yeah, definitely. I think. Feel free to react, man, obviously. But that is something that like I've gotten a little spoiled on. It was like me and Julia's track being able to shift around in time or um like if I need to add an effect, it's super easy because there's nothing there's no like other mic bleed to get in the way of the effect or whatever. But if you are doing remote recording, I think we're all except for maybe Julia, I don't know if you are or not, but we're all hard hardwired into the internet. Oh, I'm hardwired in, yeah. Yes. All of us have had to buy Ethernet cables during quarantine because it is absolutely necessary. Yes. So do that. And then we always use video so we can watch each other's reactions in real time. Yeah. And yeah. It also allows us to like if I have a note but Amanda's finishing up saying something that she's doing in character, I can just like put a finger up being like, I would like to go next, please. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Which is something we did in the room, too, when we were all together. But yeah, it's just another thing, one of those things that you learn. But yeah. yeah. I was thinking about how precious it felt like having everybody in the room when we were doing campaign one. And like how we're like, we never doing remote recording. Like, I know the McElroys do it, but like, we can't do it. We got to have the magic. And I'm like, well, now we have the experience that it actually feels this seamless. So I, I feel a lot less uh, precious about it and how there's some of the benefits of that as well. I don't think we could have done it in season one like i do think it was necessary to be in the same room in season one definitely but with the experience i think we have figured it out yeah totally can i say something that reminded me of something that i wanted to say all the way back in the beginning of the after party yeah man uh speaking of stuff that we codified in campaign one that we've now brought over to campaign two and that is helping me with the time loop making jokes in world is so important to making any of this function (laughs) 
because if we were just making jokes out of it or just making references and, and things that were just like one-offs or, or were just being silly, then I wouldn't be able to, to make the time loop work in the first place. Mm. Like, it wouldn't be fun. It would just because you'd be we'd be like, oh shit, supernatural. That that was, he totally fucking Winchestered that. Like hell yeah. <laughs> but the fact that we have the jokes in the world, then I can play on those jokes and do it again. Again, the top on guy that he wanted to work him over, and then this other thing happened, which led to Carmen throwing her coffee pot down the street. But also, that's because everyone walked out on Thornhill. So it's like this it's this whole other thing and and being able to build and still have fun within the context of the game like characters making jokes or saying things that are funny or we're referencing something that's happening in the world that has definitely helped me do the time loop but it, it it's really about just like the thing that I'm putting together I need to know every single the ins and outs of it but it's also very condensed so I spent a lot of time thinking about that at least and I also want to shout out Leah Labresco who, although she's, like, an incredible reporter and, like, thinker on, like, religious issues, she's also, like, a big, big tabletop role player. And I heard on a podcast that she ran a time loop one-shot at, like, Gen Con or one of those other cons. And I'm like, hey, Amanda, you know Leah Labresco, right? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, can I talk to her, even though she's, like, probably dealing with her kid right now? And Leah uh, was so nice and told me how she did it and, like, the principles and the intentions that she put behind it that I've been carrying forward. And that call was very important to me while I was struggling to make sense of the Groundhog Day on one hand, uh, Russian Doll and Palm Springs on the other hand, and on a third hand, which grew out of my chest, is roguelike games. <laughs> is that your ghost hand? Yeah, that's my ghost hand. Uh, so holding all of those at the same time and realizing I could do something different, like what we are truly doing here, has been very helpful, and I, I thank her for, for helping. Oh. I didn't even think about that. That's that is so important that we do that to make jokes in in the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's different when you're playing at home, where you and your friends have the shared context of knowing each other, even if they're online friends. Like you, you know, you form your inside jokes, and everybody's in on it because you all get it. But playing for an audience where we have no idea, you know, the pop culture that you listener grew up with, or yeah. that you are dealing with now, or what you find funny or what you don't, you know, having us all kind of make jokes with the same understanding and with the same knowledge, like we all know what has happened in the podcast. We all listen to the podcast. That's what brings us together. I, I find very inclusive as a person who often doesn't understand references. Totally. I made a, in this most recent recording we did, I made a out of world joke. And I immediately afterwards in my head was like, I'm going to cut that shit. <laughs> <laughs> we can make it for each other. Yeah, exactly. It's funny you say that. The thing about the N64, I did that with impunity. It's like if I'm making a reference, there's absolutely a reason why I'm doing it. Like I said, the reset button on the N64. But there's some other stuff about like, Everything about technology. We're using retro technology in a futurist world. And I also found that really interesting when we're talking about time. But that's like an illusion. That's not a reference. Like we're right. alluding to it because it has metaphorical significance. So I think that like if we're talking about something, there's probably a reason why. Or at least I am when I've thought about this thing and trying to give it like thematic or uh, metaphorical significance. You're also really good at giving context for those illusions that you do in game. So Thanks. that always makes sense. We're also set in the real world this time. So like Taylor Swift is part of the setting versus in high fantasy where, you know, you yeah. can't just be like, oh, I'm really Captain Kirk to that one, huh? And that would not necessarily <laughs> make as much sense. Listen, part of the reason why we're doing this for campaign two, <laughs> definitely, I missed it. I wanted to make references and allusions to modern day and talk about those issues. So uh, this is definitely bearing that out. 
uh, in this way. I also feel like I'm on a fucking roll right now, guys. <laughs> like, I'm feeling really good. <laughs> I feel like the last few episodes and the episodes and everything about this loop, I feel like I've I've, I've leveled up in my DMing, and I, I'm feeling very good about that. I don't know when you got off the roll from, like, three years ago, but I hear you. <laughs> I feel like I leveled up when Bachelorette Party started, and then I feel like I leveled up again sometime in Join the Channel. When I started leaning, mm. I think when I started leaning on Val as Ant Man, and like the threat of it was was just as as dangerous as the other thing. And now I feel like I'm hitting one more in terms of like the mechanics of this whole thing. I'm feeling really good about it. I'm feeling really good about all the the cool shit Brandon is gonna do in combat uh, in in upcoming episodes for you listeners <laughs> and uh, Julia. All of your character choices and just immediately knowing exactly what Val would do it helps ground me as a character. Aww. And I just. It's very fun. I I want to be able to talk about the five episodes of Join the Loop that we have played that you have not heard, but we cannot do it. But I am so excited. These it just it keeps getting hotter. Don't worry about it. It's going to be great. I can't wait for the next after party to talk about uh, Join the Loop three and four, and maybe some other stuff that's coming up. I don't know. Maybe you're not going to experience a bad Tuesday for several months. I don't know. I don't know. Who Hell can yeah. say? Who mm-hmm. can say? Mm-hmm. The audience is like the frog in the cold water right now. They don't even know if it's turning up. <laughs> they don't know. I will say this is probably this is the seventh recording I've done for Join the Party in the last two weeks. That's too many. That's too, many. too much. I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all for you, everybody. So thank you for your questions and your screams and your Eric, what the fucks. We very much enjoy it. And we can't wait to uh, to talk to you next time. Oh, yeah, everyone. Go listen to Join the Party. No Bad Tuesdays coming up. Thank you, Leo Labresco. Get out there and keep on listening. <laughs> Later. Bye, guys. May your rolls trend ever upward. <laughs>